Greetings, my friends. Welcome back to the Wayfair Podcast. I'm Tom Vanderwell. So good to be back in the quiet this morning after a long week on a business trip. Our chapter day journey is in Genesis 14, and it was verses 18 through 20 that resonated with me this morning. It says, Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was priest of God Most High, and he blessed Abram, saying, Blessed be Abram by God Most High, creator of heaven and earth, and praise be to God Most High, who delivered your enemies into your hand. Then Abram gave him a tenth of everything. Today's podcast is entitled, A Sage in the Story. In all great epic stories, we encounter mysterious and oracular figures who Carl Jung labeled the sage archetype. Sometimes these sages are ever-present in the storyline. Think Dumbledore in Harry Potter, Gandalf in The Lord of the Rings, and Yoda in episodes one through three of Star Wars. And sometimes a sage appears just for a brief moment in the story, but their words and their presence and their oracles are an important thread of the story. In the original Star Wars trilogy of movies, the sage Obi-Wan Kenobi, Luke's uncle said, ah, he's just a crazy old man. And if you think about it, he was physically present in the story for a relatively brief time. But his presence and his words came back again and again in important moments. Likewise, the oracle played a crucial role in the Matrix trilogy, though we only saw her briefly on screen. Remember, all great stories are a reflection of the great story. Now, Genesis means beginnings, and in it God establishes many things that are crucial to the great story he is going to tell through the final chapter of Revelation. In today's chapter, we are briefly introduced to a mysterious figure, a sage character, who appears on stage for just a moment, but whose presence is dripping with foreshadowing in the larger great story, which will only become clear thousands of years later. Abram, to whom God has promised to make a great nation, allowed his nephew Lot to choose land that he wanted. Lot chose what looked to be the land where the grass was greener for his herds. We talked about that in the last episode, but it turned out to be a land full of violence and political turmoil and war. Lot, his family, and his possessions are all taken as spoils of war amidst the tumult. Abram, meanwhile, has prospered greatly where he settled, and he goes on a successful rescue mission to recapture Lot and his family. As they return, we meet the mysterious Melchizedek, king of Salem and priest of God Most High, who blesses Abram, and Abram gives Melchizedek 10% of everything. Now, on the surface, this doesn't seem like much of a big deal, but in fact, it is. Melchizedek will be an important figure in Jesus' story. He is what scholars call a type or a parallel of Jesus. A few things to note. Melchizedek, meaning righteous king, 
is king of Salem, which is a word related to peace. And of course, it's part of the more familiar Jerusalem. So a righteous king of peace. Not only is Mal king, but he's also priest of God Most High. And we're not even to the part of the great story where God prescribes to Moses the sacrificial system he wants the Hebrews to use. But in that system, the priesthood and the monarchy are two separate entities. Mel brings out to Abram a gift of bread and wine, which was a cultural tradition at that time. But the allusion to Jesus' Last Supper can't be ignored. King Mel is also priest of God Most High at a time before we have any knowledge that God was doing anything in persons outside the narrative that we've been given. Yet Abram acknowledges this mysterious king-priest. He honors Mel with a tithe of everything. And in that day, that was known as the king's share. Now Melchizedek will later make a brief and mysterious appearance in David's lyrics in Psalm 110. Now, this is ironic since God promised that it would be David's throne that would be established forever and through David's line through which the Messiah would come. In this, God declares through David that the monarchy and the priesthood would once again be interwoven in the Messiah as had been foreshadowed in the mysterious sage Melchizedek in today's chapter. As for the Mosaic sacrificial system, well, old things pass away, new things come. Yet what is new was established in the mystery of Melchizedek in the ancient past. The author of Hebrews will bring clarity to how Melchizedek and Christ are connected. So it's kind of intriguing, but what does this whole thing have to do with my life? on this 20,254th day of my earthly journey? Well, there's a couple things that I'm contemplating in the quiet. First, Melchizedek reminds me that I am part of a connected story. Now, it's thousands of years between the events of Genesis 14 and the Jesus story. Yet, like all epic stories, you look back in retrospect to see how all things work together, how they're all connected. This reminds me that I and my story are also connected to the great story. It's in mysterious ways that I can't even see in the moment. But I believe that I will one day stand on the other side and look back to see it revealed. And this, in turn, inspires me to press on in the journey today. Melchizedek also reminds me that God is at work in the lives and stories of others in ways that I don't know, nor can I comprehend. As I have progressed in my own journey, I have increasingly come to acknowledge this fact whenever I encounter anyone. In those who have believed and received, God is actively engaged in weaving their stories into the great story. In those who have not... I believe God is actively engaged in drawing them into himself. I've also come to believe that their stories, even in their unbelief, their antagonism, or their passivity, are ultimately connected to the great story in ways I can't humanly imagine. Now, if I really believe this, and I do, 
then it motivates me to relate to every human being I encounter with grace, respecting that they are a person whom Jesus loves and in whom Jesus is actively at work, even if it's just to be drawing them in. And so I enter this day and this new work week, reminded that I and my life are connected to the great story in ways I can scarcely imagine, and believing that so is everyone with whom I will interact this day. And that should dictate the way I think, act, speak, interact, and proceed. I hope that wherever you're proceeding today, it is to pleasant places, my friend. Good to be back. Have a great day. We'll be back here tomorrow.